Welcome to the show. Great to be with you this morning or today or whenever you're listening. <laughs> this evening. This evening. In the middle of the night. Paul George. <laughs> Adam, the Deacon Conk. You ever thought about like moving your title around? No, they do that with uh, with bishops, though, right? When you become a cardinal. It's always been weird. Right. But they make it a middle name. I don't, I don't know where that comes from, but it's weird. Yeah. Like Francis Cardinal George, may he rest in peace. Uh, right. Jorge Cardinal Bogolio before he became the Pope. They just throw Cardinal in the middle name. So I'll just start doing Adam the Deacon Conk. <laughs> the Deacon, wow. The Deacon. Wow. Yeah. That's bold. Yep. Yep. It, well, you, you did the same thing, but we won't mention that on air. Right. You took your middle name and moved it around. I did. <laughs> Actually, I just kept it right where it is. I just skipped the first name. Oh, I see. That does make sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, just that's a better way to blank look at it. Paul George. Yeah. So it's, it's not completely like I'm ashamed of my name. It's just, let's just skip that one. Yeah, just jump right on over it. Yeah. You know? That makes sense. Yeah. So how's it going? It's going really well. It, it is. It was a busy March. March Madness is not just for basketball um it's also at schools yeah and in family life for some reason march gets busy how about you yeah march is crazy you know spring and then it is it is like um you know march is like the last stretch for schools for families and then you hit easter and you kind of wake up you know after easter and there's really kind of like this like month left before school ends type thing Mm -hmm. you know yeah, I, I don't know. It it is a crazy time. I just got back from doing a parish mission. We might have a few listeners to the hey. show to the podcast. One mission like, at a time. Oh, I didn't know you did a podcast. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't. I don't tell people. You had that conversation. Enough. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. So shout out to the people of Pearland, Texas. Hey, Pearland, if you're listening, let us know. Yeah. So anyway, um, did a parish mission out there three nights. Uh, wonderful parish, St. Helens. Oh, and, nice. Uh, yeah, great group of folks. Had a wonderful time. That's awesome. Yeah. So how do you think your parish missions, because you've been doing them a while, right? Yeah. How do you think they've changed over time, let's say a mission 10 years ago to what you just did? Um, how do you think that it's changed? I think it's from changed your perspective? Uh, in, in many ways. One, you know, I think 10 years ago or 15, people were like, oh, it's kind of more of a youth mission. I'm like, not, you know, not mm-hmm. really, like, mm-hmm. but they kind of saw me as that. I think now, you know, it's been like, Oh, you're old like us, you know, like, <laughs> and so it's more of an, obviously an adult, you know, Lenten mission. Yeah. And I've kind of moved it more to like the Lenten mission. I kind of call it, at least when I get there, I don't know how the parish might promote it or do whatever, but kind of more of like a, a Lenten mission retreat. Oh. So like this idea that like each night is sort of like just re- let's just retreat away. I know it's hard to go off for a weekend or do, but like let's just spend this time like really connecting with God. And that whether it be that through my talk but having some time of prayer and some reflection yada yada. So I've kind of really been able to kind of grow with the content as mm-hmm. I've grown, you know, yeah. obviously like if I was still talking or living the same way I was 10 years ago and it was like yeah, Paul's <laughs> stuck <laughs> He's stuck in the nineties. We've seen it. Yeah. Some people are stuck in the nineties. So some people are stuck in the nineties or in the eighties, but are the early well, apparently we didn't know how good we had it then, apparently. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Like each generation's like, Yeah, if we could just go back to the eighties or the seventies, it was so much better. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I don't my, know if twenty years from now. My parents are like, Well you just go back to the sixties. I'm looking at pictures of the sixties. I'm like, Really? 
like those festivals that was good y'all were good with that <laughs> you know like yeah well the the 20s coming out the gate i don't know if people are gonna look back on the 20s 2020s yeah and uh say the same thing oh you know but i'm waiting to see the the second half of this decade yeah well here's a little bit of hope like you know you know maybe like generations and stuff like that and so we've kind of moved through a generation of you know and there's been all this debate of like millennials and whatnot right mm -hmm. and i get it like uh you know i've worked with millennials and you know but you know there there's a good crop of people in every generation so like mm -hmm. you can't just generalize a generation but i get the, like this you know sort of the millennial generation and you know then we have the baby boomers the xers the z's the the y's the whatever and I was having this conversation with someone. They said they were doing research and said that the next generation, this next generation is called the hero generation. Hero? Yeah. They ran out of letters, I guess? I don't know. <laughs> but but that this generation, this next generation was kind of kind of loop back around and like be like, we need to save <laughs> what just happened. Wow, no kidding. Yeah. Like that the, sounds good to like me. Like this sense of like, well, we need to get it back together. You know, we need to do something about like what the we're world, seeing. Yeah. yeah, like and and I think like all all the older people are like they are looking around, and be like, man, like everything's nuts. It's crazy. Like who? Like there's no truth. There's no like reason. Mm -hmm. There's no logic. Like let's take, let's take just let's even just take like faith out of it. Like mm -hmm. there's no logic there. And 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 I think that there's like a generation that's going to loop back around, and be like, hey, wait a minute, mm -hmm. like whoa. You know, at least that's my hope. At least this is what we were talking about with this. My friend of mine was saying through his research. Now, that sounds I don't know, really I good to me, though. It sounds great. So I'm I'm just talking about it. As, I'm gonna hold you to this. As, no, I'm gonna hold you to this. <laughs> no, as like I hope for it. <laughs> no, no, no. I will hold you to this. Oh. This hero generation. Okay. Well, speaking of hero generations, do do you have a have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. Are you for real though. Well, this is not a good example of the hero generation. Actually. I figured. None of you have your scenes. <clears throat> and look, we've... Uh, are inspiring. We're both men in here. I don't think that's a secret. No. And so I just want to say to all the, all of our wonderful women listeners... Yes. Like, Paul and I are not the man in this story. You know, we're just... The, I'm just the messenger of this story. We're just delivering the content. Just delivering the content. Delivering is... You don't even know what's coming, but you just said the right word. Okay. Because it has to do with deliveries. Okay. Um, but this guy got it wrong. Okay. Um, so out of, uh, England, there was a man, I know the woman's name, but the man's name I don't think is listed because maybe he was ashamed, but, uh, a woman was giving birth for their first child and apparently they weren't, they weren't married. So it's a boyfriend, girlfriend situation. Okay. Um, but Amber, which is very common, yeah, these days. Amber spent twenty-one hours in labor. Mm, twenty-one. That's a that's a good almost yeah, a full day for a for, yeah. And labor is as everyone knows, it's pretty involved. That's what they say and intense. Well, you know, the boyfriend again. Apparently, he's nameless. The article literally doesn't mention his name, which I think is hilarious. Um. Yeah, so the boyfriend decides, if I'm going to be here for that long, I'll need to pass the time. Hmm. So he moves his entire extensive gaming console from home. Now, if you've ever seen a gamer's desk or a gamer's, um, let's say, station, yeah, it gets pretty intensive. You got like It looks like the studio that we're in, honestly, exactly. like multiple screens and, and all this stuff. And yeah, yep. Exactly. So there's this picture in the article of him 
literally playing some game, talking to somebody in the hospital room. Like he set up his gaming corner, and he's just going after it gaming while his wife's and or his uh, girlfriend's in labor. The future father of yeah. this child, <clears throat> right? Yeah. And uh, and he's just going after. It. He's, he even has a blanket in the picture, like wrapped around himself, right, for comfort. You know? Yeah. And uh, the problem is, is this guy doesn't have a dad who's willing to like yeah. go in there and like put him in a headlock and you know throw him in cold water shock him into reality yeah well apparently the um people people aren't re- respecting this decision <laughs> so the, the hospital staff just apparently just told the lady this is this is a bit of a red flag you yeah. know like, you kinda... <laughs> well good for them <laughs> and then the comments on this article which number over 3500 um, are mostly negative about this man's what, decision. See, that's the hero generation I'm talking about. Like they're nice. they're looping, looping back around and, and they're like, look, ten years ago, I'm telling you, this would have come out and there would have been like, people would have been like, good for him, he's doing what he wants. Well, okay, so this was Amber's reaction. So Amber got some good advice from the staff, from the commenters, but her her response. Is that she was okay with it, mm. and that it really didn't hurt until about 19 hours in. That's what she said. Yeah. Which he started to pay attention at that point. So Amber's okay with it. Well, Amber, <clears throat> uh, I'm sure all the ladies listening on the show is like, yeah, that is a red flag, and yes, you should not be okay with it. <laughs> and what whatever you see in this guy, like you know, like he needs to kind of like step it up and wake up and you know be better. Yeah. So again. Paul and I, we're men, but we are not this man. Um, but on behalf of this man, I'm sorry, Amber. The, yeah. I'm sorry. That, you know? So we do, you know, a lot of marriage prep in our home and talk to younger couples who are getting married. And, and it's interesting because like 10, 15 years ago when we were doing this, it was a little bit different. Like mm-hmm. now there's conversations, obviously with younger couples would be like, okay, uh, you know, usually the guy. Uh, are you a gamer? Do you play games? You know, video games. And how is that? Uh, how are you guys going to deal with that in your relationship, right? And in, in your marriage? Like, mm-hmm. do you have balance? Like, are you able to talk about, like, you know, doing this in, in you know, within balance? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's an actual thing, like, for couples, you know? Yeah. But, you know, in a lot of ways, it's no different than, you know, a guy who's got hobbies like, you know, fishing or playing golf or, you know, whatever, like, you know, working on cars or things like that. It's just that this hobby is like in the house, like in a dungeon, in a cave, in a right. in a room and, and you're on games. And so, you know, and if that's your hobby, that's fine. Like th- there's some fun and maybe, the, you know, it's the way that you kind of like, you know, some people exercise, some people read, some people, you know, whatever to kind of like you know, get away, mm-hmm. but it can be sort of almost like just like some other things, just more addictive or takes up your time before you know it. You've been on game for four hours and your wife's like, you know, and they're saying like, I wish he would talk, just talk to me, come in here, mm-hmm. give us time. So you have to be extremely intentional no matter what in any relationship about having balance and making sure that the person that you're dating, getting married to, having a baby with is first in your life. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if anything quite sends the message as you're not my top priority now as bringing your gaming console into the delivery room for 19 hours, 
you know, that's that's a message that's saying like this is the most important thing in my life, um, this gaming experience, right? So, anyway, yeah, and it, I find there are some activities too, Paul, and it's not just electronic activities; it can be anything. Good recreation, good hobbies allow us to better interact with reality. Mm-hmm. In other words, like I need the rest, I need the uh, downtime, I need the, so that I can better engage in my life. But there are some things that we do that actually make it harder to engage in reality. It's like we, our, our minds find it more difficult to engage with the most important things in our life because it's in our life. And those are the things, we, especially during Lent, we should be focused on. Um, for me, I know for sure it's, it's my phone. You know, and so I don't know if you if you've had this happen, Paul, but sometimes I pick up my phone and it didn't do anything. But that's kind of the the pace I'm used to picking up my phone out of my pocket, right? So like I'm used to getting so many text messages every so often, or so many emails, or so many phone calls, and sometimes I just literally take my phone out because my body thinks like, oh, it's time, you know, and there's nothing going on, and I'm like this. But then a few seconds later, somebody does text me, so it's. Yeah. It's weird, but I notice that the more I'm in that rhythm and in that mode of just always on call, always, I'm not, I'm not as able to to deal with reality the way I should. You know, like my wife, my children, my the people I work with versus just the tasks I'm accomplishing, and so all of us have to be aware of how these things affect us and make it better or make us better or less able to participate in our life. I think that's a great point. Because recreation is good, it's healthy for us, and we have hob- need, you know, we need good hobbies, things that that really help us deal with stress and get away from work, and you know, be a better parent or spouse at home. Like I think those things are very, very healthy. You know, the adverse side to that is like I'm talking to a lot of adult men, particularly in middle age, um, who are who have given up their hobbies, who are lonely, who have no, mm-hmm. not a lot of good friendships because they've just spent so much time working and you know being at home that that they're bored that they don't have a sense of like recreation or purpose or mission and and that that's the other side of it so so there's the there is this balance that i think is healthy that we need to find that's good for for both men and women um at the same time but you're right sort of this virtual reality stuff it it does kind of take your mind i know when i'm on my phone a lot or on my computer it takes me a while to kind of pop back into reality Mm -hmm, and be like mm -hmm. oh i've been having a four-year-old tug on me for the past five minutes right and i have not acknowledged you know yeah and and that shame on me right because Mm -hmm. i'm like just caught up in like this reading on this article or like you know yada yada checking emails and text messages and you know there's a human being like needing right. me right now, and right. here I am. Oh yeah, I can totally be that gamer guy in parenting or in whatever else. So I have to be vigilant. Yep. All right. Healthcare that works better and costs less seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based health sharing is a much better fit than insurance all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-387-8533. That's 844-387-8533. 
Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk in studio. Show 196 or something. Yeah, 196. Seven, six, nailed it. Five, six. Six, yeah. Here we are. We've been battling forever. So if you're listening on the radio, KLFT Radio, or on the podcast, thanks for being a part of the show. Uh, we've been doing this for quite some time. Years. Yeah. Years. You know, so I was thinking about this this guy, you know, there, there's a lot of red flags in relationships, honestly. Mm-hmm. And look, we talk to people who do like marriage work, marriage work. They, you know, they're saying it, like 80% of the couples that they work with before they get married or living together, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, sleeping together or whatever, like that's a large statistic. Okay. Yeah. And so you're dealing with like all these like, complex issues with these relationships and and then people wake up one day and they want to get married and a lot of people were pushing marriage further and further along because they're living together there's no motivation to get married right Mm -hmm. and then what ends up happening is that a lot of times you know the girl's like oh i'll just deal with not getting married because you know i just want to be loved and you know have a partner and you know whatever and i'll deal with all these weird bad habits and there's just no life together. Like, like we're moving towards something and being who God created us to be in our relationship. And so then there's all these red flags, you know, and it's not, you know, till like it becomes so extremely obvious that other people see them, you right. know, so you're now you're pregnant, you're living with a guy and, you know, he's bringing his gaming device into the delivery room and, and then you're still making excuses. Mm-hmm. And saying, ah, it's not that bad. You know, it was just till like, you know, I was seven centimeters. And then I was like, man, maybe you could turn that off. Mm-hmm. When when all the nurses and doctors and workers are like, what? <laughs> Do you not see, right. like, the massive issue here? Right? Yeah. Well, obviously, this was not a Cajun delivery room. The only delivery rooms I've been in, I had Cajun nurses that let me know exactly what I could and could not do in that room. Kudos to them. Like every time they're like, look, this is, this is how we're going to care for her. You will not bring food in that smells really good because she can't eat. You will not, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because Cajun nurses will not let you bring a gaming system in. I promise. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yes. No, but I mean, look, that, that, that ability to see red flags is probably one of the most important life skill. That's one of the hardest to teach because we have to be free enough to see it, you know? And for a lot of us, we're either tied to toxic relationships, codependency, insecurities. Um, we have these lot of underlying things we don't even know are there that don't, we're not free enough to see a situation like that and, and recognize the red flag and deal with it. But you can get there. And that's, you know, that's part of the counseling process, the therapy process. The, and that's why everybody should consider that for their life, especially if they know they ignore red flags because that is a red flag. Like if I ignore a red flag, that is a red flag to me that I need someone to help free me, you know, to help me psychologically and spiritually free me to be able to respond to those red flags like I should because I will get burned, you know, bad things will happen if I don't listen. Yeah. And it's not gaming is the red flag or golfing is the red flag or this or that. It, you know, obviously if it's a, deeper moral issue, pornography, or, Mm -hmm. you know, stealing money, or, you know, unfaithfulness, like, okay, yeah, like, morally, boom, right, red flag, like, Mm -hmm. you know, deal breaker, but 
you know, if it's something that's just out of balance, it's some out of whack, and and uh, you know, it keeps that person from being able to put the other person as a priority to right. see see people for who they are and like be able to put things away, like more of an addiction, you know, of the thing. Right. Yeah, I mean, so red flags work both ways. One, like our ability to recognize red flags in a relationship or in other people. And then it, it becomes that person's responsibility who has like the issue to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And I always tell people is like, hey, you can recognize a red flag, but if you don't deal with it, it's not going away. Right. Usually it just gets worse. Usually it just gets worse, you know. So, and it's like, well, I won't, I won't do video games, but then the behavior just moves into something else, you know, like, yeah. so the root of whatever is going on, that's what needs to be dealt with. Well, it's amazing, you know, doing the work I've done in the uh, tribunal office and working with a lot of cases to help move them along for, for uh, seeking annulments. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. The kind of formation has been for me to recognize these red flags in, in relationships, but it, it usually takes, and this is just from my experience with these cases, but like in a situation like that where there's an obvious red flag, like maybe severe substance abuse before marriage, maybe, um, you know, whatever, like a red flag that person should have listened to and not got married, it seems like the timeline is 20 years before it runs its course and they finally had enough. And so over those 20 years, there's a lot of pain and heartache in between. Yeah. You know, but to finally admit and and get to a place where you're free enough to say this is a problem, it can't keep going, it takes about twenty years in a marriage. That's that's a so good. So just point. something to think about. No, it was a good point because uh, I was actually just talking to a priest friend of mine. Gresham and I celebrate twenty five years of marriage. Nice. In May, so we want congratulations. Yeah, we want to do. You know, it's twenty five. Like, hey, let's celebrate marriage, not us, but like. The fact that like marriage is like almost like a thing that like we need to celebrate. That's right. Hey, everybody, this still happens. Yeah, and it's and, a good thing. And to like give honor to God for like His grace, you mm-hmm. know, that has allowed us to be married this long, and and to just continue to to own up to the mission that our marriage is a sign of God's love to the world. Like that's mm-hmm. you know it's it's about Him. So anyway, I was talking. Could you come? We'll do a mass, a blessing, invite friends over, have dinner. You know, like celebrate this. Mm-hmm. And um, he was saying that, you know, he was talking to a bunch of clergy, kind of older, you know, clergy and saying that they have seen a drastic decline in marriage blessings Mm -hmm. after 20, around 20 years. And they, they see a a big, you know, kind of like, you know, they're still doing a lot of blessings around 50 or 60 year, but like around the 20 year mark, no one's calling. Mm-hmm. 25 year mark like people are divorced or they're unhappy right. like it, it right. you like like it's just a massive drop off the table and it was, he was almost caught off guard like he knows me he's like yeah we've been married but he's like we get hardly any of these calls anymore yeah and I was like that's kind of sad yeah well if someone ignores the red flag they should have listened to to, to marry um the psychological and spiritual processes are going to run its course and it takes about 20 years. And um, you're either going to have this massive renewal in your relationship and recommit and, mm-hmm. or you're going to have to split. Yeah. And the issues start way before then. And yeah. I don't work in the tribunal, but I've, I've actually 
had the privilege, and I say privilege, of walking with people through their annulment process. And mm-hmm. when I say privilege is because it's a really difficult time. And to allow someone to walk with you during that time is an honor mm-hmm. because they have to be very vulnerable, you know, to yeah. the process, right? Because as you know, it's like a, it's a, it's a healing, it's a reconciliation process and it, and it's not easy because it brings up a lot of stuff mm-hmm. in every situation I have personally ever been with and someone has, has gone through a divorce and an annulment is there were red flags before Yep, there were red flags during and those red flags were never dealt with. Right. And and it it became a hindrance before and during to the sacrament and the grace being able to flow in the relationship. Yeah. You know, so. Well, one thing I think we can all learn about that, too, even if we're not married or we have a happy marriage, is that that's human nature at work in the most intimate relationship, which is marriage. But it's the same human nature at work in all of our relationships. And so, for example, are you unhappy at your job? Are you unhappy with your friends? Like, wherever there's relational tension in your life, there's some red flags that you could actually be dealing with right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there, it's not all or nothing, usually. I mean, it's not quit your job or stay. Usually there's things you can do to work on your relationships with people, you know, and it's not a lost cause. And you don't have to wait 20 years, I guess what I'm saying. Like, you don't have to just let this thing run its course naturally because that's a lot of pain and suffering and heartache. So, you know, again, counseling, therapy, spiritual direction, it's all designed to help a person gain the perspective and the freedom they need to make better relational choices yes. now so that you don't you don't need the 20 years of heartache to get to that place where finally you can make the better choices. I think I have an answer to all this. Oh, yeah? Yep. Do you have a, a weird Catholic stuff? What? Come on! I'm serious. You can't be. I am. This is outrageous. Come on! This is the weirdest thing. Weird Catholic stuff! Yeah, so th- this is something you uh, you brought up, and I thought it's awesome. I don't know if you want to take it from here. No, you, you, okay. you take it. I, I found it, and I found it so hysterical. I sent it to you <laughs> to see if you would, you know be down for it because this is your segment well, yeah and you were like this is great no this is great and i think it's more, weird more people are aware of this situation than they were of like the moon landing or like other things okay i will set it up and then you can bring in the catholic stuff because you're you're the weird catholic in the room and i just kind of <laughs> go with you man i just i just put i just you know i just i tie on to your hitch <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, we all know the story, and I don't want to give a lot of you know background, you know, because I, I really don't care about you know stuff in Hollywood and all that. But you know, it was a big deal, you know, at the Oscars. You know, Chris Rock was presenting, said some jokes, and said a joke about you know uh, Will Smith's you know wife, um, and then he just storms the stage, slaps him, you know, right across the face, and then it's a big deal, right? And uh, mm-hmm. you know, wh- whatever. I mean. It, it it's all over the news and social media. And then I was reading someone just really just took it a different direction. <laughs> and I thought it was great. Like, so, yeah. So, uh, Michelle LaRosa at the pillar wrote an article on kind of like famous slaps in Catholic history, if you will. Yeah. She just straight up was like, I wonder if like there's slaps, if there's Catholic slaps, 
Right. I don't know. Like What's she our, was just like, hey, let me, let me get off of like Oscars and <laughs> let, let me see like where. Taking her cue from uh, from the Oscars. So, yeah. So number one, um, I don't know if these are in a particular order. I guess they're not. So but, what was she basically, what was she researching? So she was looking up slaps and history of the church slaps yeah like like look. slaps in our history yeah and i don't know if i mean i guess the motivation is just hey this could be a teaching moment yeah um let's direct people's attention to the church or if it's like hey we invent you know we do slaps better than everybody i don't know like well, I tell catholic you who slaps needed a, a nice catholic slap was this guy in the delivery room. oh yeah <laughs> With, <laughs> we need to send will smith to, uh, yeah, to yeah. england yeah yeah. Hey, go slap the guy who's gaming while his wife has girlfriends in labor. Yeah. Maybe that'll know. make the list of a good Catholic slap. Yeah. Um, all right. So the first, and I saw this shared a bunch. Now I'm not a big social media, but when, uh, when I when I saw that Will Smith slap Chris Rock, I did want to see what the internet had to say about it. And the Catholic internet was definitely sharing this slap as like the main example, which was okay. when Saint Nicholas slapped. Arius, okay, which we've talked about. We talked about the real Santa Claus one time and weird Catholic stuff. Now he slapped him like, "Hey, wake up! You're, you're, um, you know, you're, you know, you're preaching." Well, actually, I, heresy or like what yeah, was it? Well, the thing was, he was he was frustrated with him because at this Council of Nicaea, Arius, who had taught that Christ was not God but okay. like the greatest creature, and it was becoming so widespread, it really caused a huge problem in the church. But anyway, so they, they have this council to condemn this heresy, and they invite Arius in the council to explain himself, right? But Arius, who was a priest and was very well-trained rhetorically, he would answer the questions in such a way that was like elusive. So in other words, they were trying to get it to the point where, oh yes, yeah, see, it's a heresy, but he would answer them in a way that kind of like got around it to where it's not mm. quite heresy, but it's also... So he slapped him. So Wake Nicholas up. was just, he was tired of it. So yeah. he walked up, he did a Will Smith, got up out of his choir section, walked straight to him and slapped him or punched him. But okay. That, that was one slap. I'm thinking in the six pack of questions, we're going to get to the morality of slaps. <laughs> okay, what was the next Good one? Good idea. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the next one is... Uh, not as well known today, but for our older listeners, they know exactly what this is, and that's the confirmation slap. Now, I did hear that, that that was a thing back in the day. That, like, mm-hmm. yeah, when I get confirmed, the bishop slapped me. Now, it was like a tap, right? Like, hey. Right. A little slap know, on the cheek. Receive the Holy Spirit. Like, a little what? tap on the cheek. Yeah, like, here's the Holy Spirit. Bam. No, I mean, all of our liturgies changed a bit in the 20th century, obviously. And one of the motivations of the change was to simplify things. So a lot of our... Uh, signs or symbols used in liturgy got taken away. This is one. And I don't know where it started. It's probably ancient, but um, the basic idea was that when you're confirmed, you become a soldier of Christ. In other words, you're joining the mission of the church hmm. to spread the gospel there to the you ends go. of the earth. We need to get back to slapping and so confirmation. Apparently in the Roman world, Wake up, pow. When you're, in, when you're initiated in an army, you get a slap. Like when you take an oath yeah. to the army, you get slapped as a moment to remember your oath. In other words, like the impact of this oath. Like instead of pat on the back, a little tap on the face. Right. And so the church started was doing this. I mean, in the Cajun culture, a slap, no, I'm not talking about like a hit slap, like a, like, you know, you walk into your grandma and it's like, hey, T-Bay-Bay, you know, and they oh, slap right. you on the face. <laughs> oh, you look so, and you're a little slappy slap. Right. And we also have a little tradition in the Cajun world that if our kid's speaking out of turn, you give them a little, a little, a little tap. Yeah. You're not abusing the kid. No, no, you're no. like, that's a signal to say what you just said is not okay. Mm. So anyway, we mm. quit doing this. Uh, 
by and large, but it's still possible. So if you want to get slapped by your bishop, you can ask them. Yeah. Hey, hey instead of, yeah, how about a, a pow? Yeah. And if you didn't get your slap, maybe you can go ask them. I'm sure lots of bishops would enjoy a grown person coming to them and saying, hey, I didn't get my confirmation slap. Can you just slap me right now? Well, I mean, in a lot of ways, I mean, spiritually speaking, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of Christians, a lot of Catholics need a, need a slap. You know, like a wake up slap. Yeah. Like, hey, hey, your baptismal call, your your the receive the Holy Spirit at confirmation. Yeah. Like that needs to wake up. Yeah, exactly. Like you're just like you. walking around like a zombie. Hey, hey, <laughs> we need you. Yeah. All right. So a third and I didn't know about this one, but this is uh, Pope Boniface in thirteen ninety four who slapped a cardinal. Oh, he just popped him. Popped him. There was this dispute between two brothers from a powerful family, and one of them was a cardinal. So one of the brothers was a cardinal, and he was disputing with his noble brother, and it got pretty heated. And so anyway, um, Pope Boniface publicly slapped Cardinal Colonna as a signal to say, you're being ridiculous in this dispute. Hmm. Um, And anyway... The Pope actually died a month after that from a fever, but I don't think it's, I don't think the Cardinal killed him. I don't think they think that. Hmm. That's a famous slap. Um, The Notre Dame Miami brawl of 1988. Oh. So she went a little, I think she stretched a bit on this one. That is the, uh, what they call the convicts versus the Catholics. (laughs) So you know about this? No, I don't know about the slap. Oh, okay. Well, uh, sorry, Ladies University, Notre Dame. Um, there's a football game with Miami in 1988, and both teams were undefeated going into it. Okay. All right? So it was a highly anticipated game. But uh, apparently before the coin toss, there was this um, rumble. And the result was two dozen players fought each other at the entrance of the tunnel. Oh, okay. This is before the game started. Now, Notre Dame won by one point Mm. in 1988. But... So it ended up being the the players so it was were fighting more of, each it was other. a brawl, not a slap. Right, okay. right. that's why I'm saying she stretched a little. She's bit. She's kind of stretching some Catholic slaps there. Yeah, mm. um, and there's more that. So look it up. This is a a great article from um, Michelle. It's, it's hysterical. I think it pillar. just totally took the attention off of like Hollywood into this. Mm-hmm. And look, I'm not, you know, I'm not advocating for slaps or slapping people or whatever. But I think it's kind of funny that, you know. Catholics have owned slaps. Yeah. Well, I do want to. I do want to mention the last one she she reported because nice. I think it's pretty good. But it was in 1988, same year as that one. Um, but <laughs> I didn't know this happened. But Pope John Paul II visited the European Parliament that year. Okay. All right, and made a speech. And Ian Paisley, who was then the the head of the Democratic Unionist Party in Northern Ireland, Ireland stood up while the Pope was speaking. I didn't know this happened. He stood up while the Pope was speaking and yelled, I denounce you as the Antichrist. Did you know this happened? No. I had no idea. This was 1988. And he held up a poster labeling the Pope as the Antichrist. Hmm. Okay. Now, other members grabbed the poster and grabbed Paisley and, like, Removed whatever. Um, but the Archduke Otto von Hosburgh, a devout Catholic who was a member of Parliament, uh... While while this was taking place, while they were tussling with him to get him out, apparently punched him in the face. Just gave him a good lick. Yeah. 
And it's a nice looking. I think I think that's interesting. <laughs> I didn't know that happened, so I'll mention that one. Yeah, I'm not the best person to talk about like like fighting, you know, like because I like there's a part of me that's like, hey, just fight it out, you know, like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, <laughs> like, what would you have done if you're you're a member of Parliament, you're a devout Catholic, yeah, and two guys down from you while the Pope is speaking, a dude just stands up and says, "You're the Antichrist." And I denounce you. Well, I mean, you remove him. You yeah. know, I don't, I don't. You put him in jail. I don't know what the law yeah. is, but uh, you know, I don't think you have to punch someone. You know, I mean, I, I do think that there is some moral dilemmas that we have, like when it comes to justice and fighting. I mean, we see just wars. You know, not many. We don't want wars. We want peace. We think that, like, if everyone obviously lived as Jesus lived and and operated within the, the context of the moral law and and loving people loving God and neighbor, we would have peace. We would have no war, right? Mm-hmm. But then you see, like, during this time right now, we have a sovereign nation, a peaceful democracy that's being in- invaded by another one, you know, mm-hmm. the U- Ukraine and Russia. And then you think, well, you know, what's the moral dilemma, the cause, like, you know, it's help defend this this free country, you know, so then you have to fight, right? Like, like there are people who are Christians, who are Catholics, who are fighting to keep their country free, right? Yeah. This is much different than slap. You know, this is much different than like, oh, I just, you know, punched someone and then walked away. Like, this is like a, you know, a big deal. Like, this is like a like huge fight and like people's lives are at stake, right? Right, right. So, so you have that like moral side, but like, then you have the, the like the, the idea that, you know, I'm, I'm a guy, I'm a man of self-control, like a virtue is like something, you know, I, I could... There's a lot of things that I can do before I can hit somebody, mm-hmm. right? Um, to defend, to you know, bring justice, right? Yeah. There's sometimes where I have to because I have to self-defend myself. I'm being attacked. Uh, you know, my life's being threatened. But words should not warrant a, a hit. Right, like we yeah. can we can fight words in other ways. We can fight words with words, with love, with peace. We can do all those things. You know, I think about the Will Smith situation. Like he could have easily just defended his wife, you know, by giving a speech about how much he loved her and like yeah, he how much stood up we and say, "Don't you talk about my wife?" And we honor down. women yeah. and my wife, and we don't talk like that. Like he, like he could have made a huge statement mm-hmm. to defend, you know. But then there's a lot of people in the culture who's like, man, he defended his wife. And like, he, and like in part, it's like it showed something. But like the way that he did it, like you were like, something's out of control. Like it's not, it's not like a, a, a controlled effort to defend. Yeah, and it's an interesting Catholic conversation because we have saints that have punched people like that. St. Nicholas we talked about. St. Louis de Montfort, who loved Our Lady passionately, supposedly punched someone who was speaking bad about her. He walked over and punched her, punched him. Um, but in all those cases, like St. Nicholas and St. Louis de Montfort, they recognize it as a, a, a sin. So like um, St. Nicholas repented of it. Did Saint he? St. Louis de Montfort, yeah. Okay. And uh, So recognize that, hey, in that moment, I could have done something different. Correct. Right. So on the one hand, a saint did that. But on another hand, they also showed us that they wish they didn't do it. So, th- so that means that I, I have potential. I think you're ahead of the game. I have potential to become a saint. <laughs> you're ahead I've, of the game, man. I have hit people before in the past. <laughs> oh, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, God can take that and, you know. Yeah, but, you know, what's interesting because— Not uh, recently, everyone. I haven't hit anyone. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you know, there's something, like, very, like, I don't know, cool about, like, a brawl. Well, okay, and 
a sin and weakness is the least culpable. And this is one of the reasons why, you know, like in the Sunday's gospel, most people will hear the woman caught in adultery. Yeah. And Jesus has a lot of mercy on her mm. because weakness means like, I know what's right, I know what's good, but because I'm weak, I give in to something. And, you know, for men, this weakness of um, going into instinct mode and hitting someone or physically trying to dominate someone, we should do our best to discipline that. But when it comes out um, out of weakness, yeah. you know, God is very uh, merciful with that. Right. Um, but it's when, out of, when it's out of pride, like the scribes and the Pharisees, where there's, it's not like, I know it's right, but I just, I'm weak. It's actually, I, th- I think what is right is not right. And I think my version of things is better. And that's why I hit people. That's a lot different, you know? Yeah, I heard someone say one time, like a good sign of immaturity is someone's lack of control of their emotion. Right. Right? Right. And we see adults who are immature, like they're emotionally I'm raising my hand right now. Like immature, <laughs> like they have no control over mm-hmm. over their emotion. Like literally, I mean, we see this in the world, in our culture. The ability, you know, to like, okay, get control of my emotion, to think logically, to pray, what's the right thing to do in this moment, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I've had situations like this, even as an adult, like, I haven't been on an Oscar stage, but like, you know, my, you know, my wife's been walking through a parking lot and someone's like, said something inappropriate to her, whatever. Mm -hmm. And my first reaction is like, I need to go and like, beat that guy up or like, confront him. And like, just like, pray, like, give me control. What's the right thing to do? Like, you know, what? You know what do I do in this moment that that like is just but also brings honor to God? Mm-hmm. You know at the same moment, right? Mm-hmm. If I would just react on what I thought in the moment, right? And this is not like, hey, call nine one one. Someone just had a heart attack. I react. I see. I do the the thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's like what is what is the just thing to do? You know, it's like, well, this guy was drunk walking to the parking lot, said something. You know, well, let me just call the cops. Right. Let them deal with it. Right. Right. You know, so so. You know things like that. There's there's a just thing to do, and also the moral thing to do that that kind of blends itself together. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great. But point. But if I just acted on what I wanted, well, I would just live in sin. I mean, that's what sin is. Like it's right. just literally reacting out of emotion in moments where we we don't pray, discern, think logically about what's the right thing to do. You know, and that's where we get caught. We're like, well, I wasn't thinking. You know, so you see these like weird things of like road rage. It's like people just start like yeah fighting and driving, and then someone pulls out a gun, like and it just got way out of control. You know, mm-hmm. um, it, it's wild. Okay, all right, let's take a break, and we'll slap right back. <laughs> Paying too much for healthcare and supporting services you don't believe in. Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are sixty percent less than the nation's average cost of healthcare. Join the nation's leading healthcare sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable healthcare. Call now to see how much you can save at 844-387-8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Paul George, Dick and Adam Conk in studio. Thanks for being a part of the show, listening in on the podcast or on the radio. Proud to bring you 
fresh content. Fresh. Slap version. Certified fresh. I would say something about slapping is that there's something very humiliating about being slapped. Yeah, it's worse than punching. As yeah, far like as punching is like a fight. You know, it's like boom, boom. You see, but but slapping is is it's horrible. You know, it's mm-hmm. very humiliating. You know, and it, it's very unmanly. Yeah, honestly, like so, the slap on the Oscar stage is like it was a very unmanly thing to do. Yeah, not only the way that, but like like if you want to fu- like say hey let's 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 take care of this, mm-hmm. you know, let's go backstage and like fight. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. but a slap and. Particularly, like, you know, must, if, you know, like, just bring awareness to, like, like domestic abuse. And, like, people have really been humiliated by being slapped or punched or whatever, like, unjustly. And then has have been in horrible situations, you know. So, you know, as we laugh about it, it, it in, in a sense of, like, you know, being slapped at confirmation and stuff like that. that <clears throat> like, being humiliated is, is a whole nother level, you know, being mm-hmm. abused. You know. Oh yeah. And so, yeah. I mean, the thing with the Oscars is like, in, in part, like, the joke was humiliating to the wife. Like, it was a little off color. It was a little like I would never say a joke about someone like that or yeah. someone's wife or a woman, honestly. Right. And the way that you and I can joke as men is a lot different than we should joke ever about a woman, their dignity, and whatever the case may be. Especially on international television. International yeah. television. And so, like, everybody's like, oh, it's just a joke. It's like, no, like, you know, jokes have truth to it. Like, you know, so, like, mm-hmm. in one sense, like, you know, out of humiliation, you know, Will Smith wanted to humiliate Chris right. Rock, right? Right. Well, he did it, yeah. You know, so then they were both humiliated. Yeah. It's like, hey, now we're even. I don't know. Kind of crazy. Yeah. They probably don't feel even right now. Yeah. Although I saw Chris Rock's... Thousand bucks a ticket. Yeah. For his shows. So he's probably not complaining People are much. just paying, like, I just want to know what he's going to say. Right. Exactly. He's probably going to mention it. It's probably going to be funny, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So, all right. Why don't we do a six-pack of questions? Question. Question number one. So you mentioned doing a, a parish mission in Tejas mm-hmm. in Texas, and uh, you mentioned that you're you're starting to use this phrase a parish mission retreat. Mm-hmm. My question for you is this: this is something that you know all of us need retreat rhythms in our life, um, but it's often hard to get. And so it seems like you're being creative with the Lenten opportunity to kind of say, "All right, we're all very busy." Um, but can you talk to me about this need that we all have as Catholics for some kind of retreat rhythm um, in our life? Yeah. I mean, I think we all should do a retreat. And look, I'm speaking of someone who needs to do a retreat, you know, just been through like a busy couple of years, you know, it's mm-hmm. been like really hard. And then, you know, with kids and their schedules, like getting away and then my travel schedule. And by the time, like all that unfolds, it's like, when do I find a weekend to go away? Right. Right. And you know this because, you know, you do a treat is like the hardest part about a retreat is actually just going. Yeah. And then once you're there, you're like, of course, <laughs> I should be here, mm-hmm. you know. But I also understand that for a lot of folks, like taking a retreat, like sometimes is hard. And so there's ways that you can carve out time to sort of build in a retreat. Maybe go to the parish mission at your church and use each night as like a real 
retreat away, a real prayer experience. You know, take a day, take an offsite day and kind of build that in. You know, maybe you do one of those a month for three months, a day away, building in a time to breathe and pray and get air in your lungs, spiritually speaking, you know, Mm. to be refreshed and renewed. And I think that that's important as we talked about sort of this idea of like healthy leisure and activity. I think it's important to build in that, that spiritual time to get away, to kind of be refreshed and renewed. Nice. All right. I'm gonna schedule mine then. Yeah. Let's let's make it happen. Me first. (laughs) All right. Question number two. Um, we talked about Amber and her boyfriend mm-hmm. and the uh, situation with the gaming in the hospital room. Yes. We brought that up. And uh, I just want to give you the floor now. You know, what do you want to say to Amber? She's listening. What do you want to say? You know, I don't know her, but I, I know that her desire probably to be married and be a mom. And I know probably culturally, particularly in in Europe, is like, oh, you could just do it this way. It's fine. And that's not you know, what God wants, you know, now I know her situation is different, but you know, unfortunately just cause you had a baby with somebody doesn't mean you need to marry him. Mm. Doesn't mean that this is the person you're supposed to spend the rest of your life with. And doesn't mean that just cause they're the father to your child doesn't mean that they're worthy of being your husband, you know? And so I think we get that confused. Oh, I'm, you know, we're, we're pregnant. So we must get married. Well, no, not really. You know, marriage is different than being a parent. Mm-hmm. And I, yes, in God's design, you get married and you love each other. And out of that love, like, you know, life comes into the world. But you guys skip some steps, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. just the truth. And so I would say, like, not let your discernment by having a baby cloud the reality of, is this the person I should marry? All right. It's a tough, it's a tough moral decision. I get that. Yeah. You know, so... But, and, you know, I've dealt with couples who have been in that situation. You know, it's like, wait, take a step back. Like marriage isn't the answer to your problems. Right. You see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. It's only going to cause more problems. And then you're going to end up, you know, high statistically divorced, which is going to cause a whole nother problem and a whole Mm -hmm. nother issue. And then before you know it, like you're just making decisions based, you know, that are just building, building, building into like, putting you in a worse situation. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the best thing to do is just boom, cut it right now. Start over. Like where, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Lord, show me what the next step is. Man, some good advice for Amber. I'm sure she's listening. Look, Amber, send us a, send Paul an email if you want to follow up on that. That's some good advice. Thank you, Paul. Yep. All right, question number three. So we talked about red flags and the importance of, um, you know, having the freedom to see them and, and, deal with them and address them. I would, I would want to hear your, your thoughts, especially for younger people. Um, they, they just seem to have, like we're talking about that hero generation. Mm -hmm. They seem to have an awareness of the problems of the world. Um, Mm. but maybe not an awareness of their own problems. And I don't mean that in like a derogatory way. I just mean things are so crazy right now that like, a hypersensitivity to external problems, especially with social media and the way it's designed. It's it's like what's wrong with the world is kind of a top of mind thing for a lot of young people. Right. But what's going on in me isn't so top of mind. Right. So I don't know. Can you, can you help that person with that situation to maybe like 
focus a little more on those red flags that they might see in themselves or in their relationships? I would say like one of the, the best characteristics to look at someone is, is that person self-aware and are they willing to deal with the things that come up? Because no one's perfect. Everyone has their things and their issues, right? And so a great characteristic is to say, you know, I'm willing to look at my own things and I'm willing to deal with it. Look, that's like the best thing that you can own up to and have. And so if you're in a relationship where someone's like, I don't want to look at my own stuff and my red flags and I don't want to deal with them, that's your answer. Mm. But someone who's like, yeah, you know, that's true. And I'd like to deal with that. That is a huge, that is awesome because we are all a work in progress and God, God can do a lot in, in that humility to, to own up. Right on. All right. Question number four. I imagine when God looks at me, there's a lot of red flags he may see, you know, but at the same time he loves me. And I, you know, I see in, in married couples, often there's a struggle where the spouse seems to be focused so much on the negative aspects of the other person that like it's it's damaging to the relationship, mm-hmm. you know? So what is that balance? I mean, all relationships need that. Friends, I need friends that are willing to tell me about red flags they see, but also the job of my friends is to encourage me and support me, not to just keep telling me what I'm doing wrong. Yeah. So what, I don't know, what it, what wisdom can you offer as far as that kind of balance, relational balance between... I'm willing to tell you the truth, but I'm also on your team and on your side. Yeah, I would say it's like we're in this together. So let me just keep going with the flag thing. Is like, look, we're in this together. Let's turn the red flags into checkered flags. Ooh. And checkered flags is like we, we've crossed the finish line. We finished. Paul, that's really good. You know, and so like honestly, mm-hmm. like I look back at like the 25 years of my marriage, like, you know, th- there have been moments of red flags. We've dealt relationally together or individually. And yet we're, we're in it to bring those to like the finish line, checker flags. And I want, I want to get across that. I want, I want my red flags to turn into checker flags to victory, right? Jesus claiming victory over this thing in my life, like the, this, this habit, this thing, this virtue, this whatever that I need to grow and want to move into. And so we can't live, you know, I'm tired of people, excuse me, I'm, it's frustrating with people who just play the victimhood, you know, mm. well, this was done to me or I don't know. And the yada, yada, it's like, no, Jesus came to turn your red flag into a victory flag. So just like, like keep going around the track. Don't give up. Paul, that's really good. I think we need to create Paul George flags where one side is red, the other side's checkered. Yeah. And just share them with the world. We're going to do a whole show on, on flags. Because there's all different colors. There's like a flag that's like, oh, there's there's like a wreck. So we're gonna all you know bring back out the pace car. So I'm gonna, oh I'm gonna my do goodness. some research. Yeah. So you're gonna slow down, Paul, and have to deal with. You're blowing my mind right now, Paul. Yeah. 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 You need to write a book about this. Yeah. And the book can be flag shaped. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cardboard. <laughs> yeah. <and> pictures. <laughs> That's pretty good. All right, question number uh, five. We brought up briefly the Sunday's gospel. Normally we spend much more time on it, um, but I want to give it a good nod because this idea of the woman caught in adultery and, and you know, Jesus finding us in our weaknesses and uh, saving us and telling us to sin no more. Um, I, I want to hear from you just kind of, as you've worked with a lot of people to help them spiritually, to help them get on track, 
you've seen this difference between something being very surfacely, like if it's an addiction to pornography hmm. or something like that, where it's like it's a weakness and that has its own path. And then hmm. something being much deeper, like pride and self-love and selfishness. Um, tell me about the different strategies, you know, like what works if, if, if I'm struggling with weaknesses or if I'm struggling with pride, how does that affect, you know, spiritual growth and uh, getting traction in my spiritual life? Ooh, it's a great question. It's a I don't loaded know if we one. Have time yeah. for that, but I will <laughs> say this is that Jesus by law was justified to slap this woman. Like, and that's how horrible that sounds. Yeah. So much so, like the Pharisees, he the could scribes, have thrown the stone. Yeah. The scholars had stones in their hands to throw at her. Mm-hmm. So, like, more than a slap. Like, you're condemned to death. Jesus not only, not obviously, threw a stone or even touched her or slapped her, but had such mercy on her that her life changed. Yes, justly, she had, there was justice there. Repent and sin no more, he tells her. But out of love, out of this gaze, like her life changed, the compassion. I guarantee you, Will Smith walks up to Chris Rock, looks him in the eye and says, I don't appreciate you saying that about my wife, but I love you. Mm. Can you, like, that's what Jesus does. And that's what transforms people's lives. Like, like when we move in that power, that's a spiritual slap. Like, it, like that's what like wakes people up. You talk about transformation. I guarantee you, Chris Rock doesn't ever do a joke like that again about a woman. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, when we move in the power of Jesus, like honestly, when we act like Him, miracles happen day to day in the way we treat people. And so, I want just end the show on that like reality. Is like, if we don't know how to act, let's just look at Jesus and say, what would he literally, like, how would he handle this? So Awesome. Well, we do have a question number six, but it has to be brief. Yes. Um, Who would you want to slap first? Yeah. If you could slap anybody, and it's someone you don't actually know. So a famous person you would slap, maybe not currently living, Mm because we don't want to cause controversy. Go back in history, slap somebody. You know those slap bracelets? They used to make. Oh yeah, you would hit the bracelet on the wrist, and it, I hated it, those. They always hurt. Yeah, and they yeah. slap around your wrist. Yeah, let's just call it a slap bracelet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So who'd you put a slap bracelet on in history? Hmm. In history, yeah, not currently living, not someone you actually know. So on the slap bracelet, it would be what would Jesus do, <laughs> or something like that. You could slap and just go pow, slap on them, and then they like oh whoa, and it wakes them up yeah. spiritually. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Pick somebody. Pick somebody. Yeah. Go put hmm. a slap brace on somebody. <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, whoa, I just woke up. Like, <laughs> you know, I don't, I think about like someone who could have a huge impact on the world if they would just have a conversion, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you think of someone like Elon Musk or, Ooh. you know, like whatever, like if they just used all of their mind and resources to. You know, that's a good choice. Be about the kingdom. So I wouldn't want to slap him, but I would like put a slap bracelet on him. Nice. You like how I just totally derailed that? You did. That yeah. Was very clever. Yeah. Thank you. That's what Jesus would do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let he without sin throw the first slap bracelet. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to slap bracelet you. Speaking of, well, thanks everyone for listening to the show. Thanks to Deacon Adam Conk for being a part of everything. And um, hope you have a great one. And we'll be back next week. God bless.